Did we get something out of last week? If you weren't here last week, you can go online. You, we've got uh, Spotify. We've got, um, um, what's the Apple one? Apple, um, not iTunes. Podcast. Podcast. Uh, you can go on either of those platforms as well as on our website and you can listen to the message from last week. Um, I'm doing part two of that today. So I want to continue to talk about the heart of the matter. Um, Yeah, so Lord, we want to thank you today. We thank you for what you were speaking. We thank you for what you were doing. And we thank you for what you will do. Lord, we continue to lay our lives at your feet and we open up our hearts and say, Lord, have your way in us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness that leads us to repentance. We thank you for this time where your word and your spirit collide. And we simply say, Lord, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. I, um, I had a few things that collided last week. My wife had a dream about me. I was swimming with, I was swimming with whales. So she was talking to May about the prophetic interpretation of that. Oh, and I won't get into that today, but it, but it just confirmed some other things. I had someone message me out of the blue and said, Tim, I'm really praying for you because I really feel that there's a prophetic word that God is brewing in you that needs to be released, and I just encourage you to not hold back. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then uh, there was a couple other things that happened as, as well. And then as I, was, as I began to pray and seek the Lord, I just began to get this word. And um, I really felt that it was such an important word for such a time as this that I got off all social media. So <laughs> when I open up my phone over morning, I've got like 38 notifications on Facebook. It's just sitting, it's like, but I just, I just felt with God that I just, had to, I just couldn't have any outside voices. I just had to be with God. And you know what? Sometimes we all need to do that. Because whilst there are some positives of Facebook, there's some, there's some other stuffs. And even prophetically, speaking from someone who's walked a journey of 25 years prophetically, there are so many words out there that just get taken totally out of context. Because when you release a word, you're all going to hear it differently, but it doesn't actually mean it's for you. But, but because someone has released it on Facebook publicly, everyone just starts grabbing at it like lollies. And it's like, no, that's not what it is. Prophecy is not meant to be treated that way. It is a word from the throne room of God. It is a word from the heart of God. And we're actually meant to, meant to receive it with reverence and awe. Amen? So anyway, so I just got rid of clutter. And I'm still not back on it yet because the word hasn't quite finished. So I'm not releasing that today. Um, and I don't think I will release it necessarily here because it is actually wider. It is actually, and I'm, this is what I'm grappling with, I really believe it's for, for our nation and for the church in our nation, and I don't really know how to get it out, but I trust God that He will do it somehow because we're just in Bundaberg, aren't we? Some people don't even know where Bundaberg is yet. Because people say, what good comes out of Bundaberg? Well, plenty. The Spirit of... The Spirit of God is going to come out of Bundaberg. He's going to create something that we can only just imagine right now. 
But that's what I want to say to you because there was one other thing that happened to me this week and I don't want to get into it because it was a little bit more personal. But the Lord spoke a word to me about a particular situation that I was battling with in my mind. Has anyone ever had that before? The circumstances that are, that are before you, the enemy takes them and he starts to try to tell you something. And even in just in your own self, you know, as Mark Crawford once said, everyone's got an imagination. It's about time we used it in the Holy Spirit because we always use it in a negative way. And, you know, and the example that he gave and that I've given is that if, you know, someone you haven't spoken to for some time rings you up and says, let's have coffee, straight away your mind goes, uh-oh, what have I done? How come this person hasn't spoken to me of late? Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. But, you know, it's very rarely is the case, amen? It's actually they just genuinely want to catch up with you. You see, our mind goes into places, and that's why we have to take um, captive every thought. Paul said, the weapons of our warfare are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. We need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Amen? That's why we need the Word of God. We need to get in the Word of God. We need to sow the Word of God into our thoughts. So anyway, I was in this situation where there was a circumstance before me, and I was really in panic. I was really in stress about the whole situation, but God gave me a word. But then he linked that word with another word about what he is going to do in this nation of Australia. Oh. Oh. And so I was a double, I was, I was really battling because I'm thinking, wow, this circumstance doesn't look that way, but I'm going to have to trust you, God, for this word. And it reminded me of when I was in Alice Springs. Because for those that don't know the story, because I never actually told it because I thought people might get freaked about it. So sometimes you need some wisdom, but now it was so many months ago, it's okay. When we were leaving Alice Springs and we were due to come home on the plane, I was sharing a cabin with Nick and Krista. And the whole night, the night before we were due to leave at 6 o'clock in the morning, Nick was throwing up every hour on the hour. And it was just throwing up. And I was in the spare room. I could hear it. I'm like, oh, no. And so I'm doing some I'm doing some praying in another couple of hours. And I hear it again. And I hear it again. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And by 4.30 in the morning, he was continuing to throw up every hour. And, and, and I came out of the room because I'd been hiding. And I said, and he looked at me. He said, I don't think I can fly, Dad, because of, you know, they won't let me fly. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And I thought, I'll get out my phone and I'll see whether I can change the tickets. And then in the midst of that, I thought, what am I doing? And I said, God, I just need one word from you. And he said, son, you will all get home today. So I went back to Nick and I said, Nick, have a quick shower. Pack your bags. We're all going. You're not going to throw up anymore. It's, it's gone and you are, you are well. Whatever it was is gone. You are well. You know, he was fine, hey. With every step he took that day, he got better and better and better. And by the time we were flying back into Brisbane, he was eating dinner. He was having lunch. He was whatever. He was, he was fine. You see, you just need one word from God. But the thing is that people don't get close enough to God to differentiate what is God and what is them. Often we can sort out what the enemy is because the enemy just wants to steal, kill and destroy. Yep. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy friendships. He wants to destroy your dreams and your hopes and your visions. That's kind of a bit easier. But, you know, sometimes we have all these thoughts. Well, I was in that process a bit this week, and I was kind of, I'm kind of rambling on a little bit now, but I'm trying to put a picture out there. But, but the, Lord kept a re, the 
The Lord kept reassuring me. He said, no, 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 this is, this is what it is. And it turned out that that's, that that was true, that I was hearing correctly and that God's Word, because it came to pass, and it was all good. But now it's linked it to this other word because He spoke the two of them together. And I'm like, ooh. We will see something in this nation. I said, we will see a move of God in this nation. It doesn't matter if you've been waiting for 20 years for it. Keep holding on. Don't drop the ball now. Keep running to the try line because there's going to be a touchdown. Jesus! Woo! Yeah. So there is, we get into the word. Wow, I've just, we've gone, anyway, it's good. Last week I spoke about the heart, amen? About where your treasure is there, your heart is also. That is what you give of yourself to, your heart will be there. Whether it's your car, whether it's your grass out your front lawn, whether it's your business, whether it's a relationship, whatever you give of yourself to, your heart will be there. And we have to be reminded that Jesus needs to be first. Everything else, our, our marriages, our families, our situations, everything comes into line when Jesus is first. But if, but if you are holding anything that is an idol up before the Lord, then you've got a problem. And the Lord is in a time that he's, which I'm going to get it in this morning, that he is removing things and he's, and he's needing to remove things. And he needs to remove any idols that are in your life. Sometimes we wonder why we're not getting breakthrough in a particular area. It's because we're holding up an idol before the Lord. And sometimes that can be the very thing that we want. Can be the idol. And the Lord is saying, will you give that to me and trust me? He's going deep, people. I was actually reminded this week of, an, of the word that Neil gave almost three years ago. Well, it was three years ago. About this fire that went through and, that, and it was like there was nothing left. But then there was green shoots and then came the glory. That's where we are. Prophetic words, very, very rarely there's something released and it happens like that. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's often two years, three years, five years, six years, whatever it takes down the track. But I was reminded of that during the week because God is going deep. Are we okay with that? Because we have to understand when God goes deep that He is a good Father. He is a good Father and He has good things. And you know, he, sometimes we don't realize that, that certain things need to be removed because they're actually stopping us from entering into the fullness of what God has for us. I remember doing a teaching about nine reasons in Scripture why, why, why your prayers may, may not be answered. There are at least nine reasons why your prayers may not be answered. Do we think about that? You know, yes, we need to understand under the new covenant that Jesus has made every provision for us. Amen? Is there a louder amen than that? Under the new covenant, Jesus has made every provision for us. His grace is sufficient, amen? His empowering presence to overcome and transform us from the inside out, amen? But yet Scripture is also full of choices that we have to make. 
Paul spoke to the church in Colossus, he spoke to the church in Ephesians, and he says, put off this and put on this. Put off whatever is of the flesh. Put, put off unforgiveness. Put off bitterness. Put off jealousy. Put off rage and put on. Amen? We still, Jesus has made every provision for us, but we still have that choice that we have to make. I need to put off that and I need to put on. Who am I to hold unforgiveness against someone when Christ has forgiven me of everything? But yet we still do that. So sometimes in the midst of that, Christ has made the provision. As I said, like the way I visualize it is that there's a smorgasbord in front of us. There is a banquet table that Christ has given to us. And yet we sit back and look at it and go, oh, gee, I wish my life was a bit better. It's... It's Christ. The heart is the core of our being out of which everything flows. And we looked at that last week, didn't we? We said in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Amen. And remember I shared very briefly last week that guarding your heart doesn't mean you don't let people in. You put up the guard so you can't build relationship. No, no, it means you have to be careful about what you let in doesn't mean a blanket guard your heart I'm not going deep with anyone because I was hurt five years ago and so therefore I'm not going deep with anyone again no no it means you be careful about what you let into your heart because it is the wellspring of life so then I sat with the Lord and I said well Lord give me a verse as we keep going a bit deeper is it okay if we keep going deeper is it okay you're still going to like me later? Oh, actually, maybe I should say love me because, because you have to love me unconditionally. That's right. Because that's his agape love. <laughs> You're going to love me anyway. <laughs> There's probably a song about that. Yeah, you love me any, anyway. In Jeremiah chapter 17, in verse 10, it says this, I, the Lord, examine the mind and I search the heart. And I went, whoa. I, the Lord, examine the mind and I search the heart. You know, the Lord at this time in the midst of preparation for His glory, He is looking intently at hearts. That is part of the word that I can release. He is looking intently. You know when you look intently on something. You know, if you're doing some sewing, not that I did sewing since grade 10 in high school, but you have to look intently. You can't just like, you know, you have to look intently. When someone who's welding, someone who's got the flame before them, I love that picture. You have to look intently at what you're doing. You can't be flippant. And the Lord at the moment is looking intently at hearts. We see that in Scripture, right throughout Scripture, that the Lord looks at hearts. Amen? That's a quiet Amen. 1 Samuel 16 says, but, I, uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. That was the previous son. Because man looks at the outward things, but I look at the heart. Of course, he found David and that's what he was saying. 
We go, we go all the way through to Revelation when he was talking to the church in Ephesus. And he said, I know your good works. I know you've tested apostles. I know you've you know, done all this stuff. You've persevered. You've done all this stuff. But yet, I hold this against you. Excuse me. You've forsaken your first love. You see, how did he know that? Because he was looking at the heart. He could see all the good things that they were doing. He could see, he, he could see that they were holding to the word. Woo, there it goes. He could see that he was holding to the word. He could see that they were doing good things. He could see that they were standing and persevering. But yet the Lord looks at the heart. That is an old covenant thing and a new covenant thing. The Lord is looking at the heart. Amen? We see, we see, we see in Acts, the book of Acts, when because of what Judas did, they had to choose another. They had to choose another who would be of the twelve. I always say to people, it's really interesting, isn't it? That, you know, people, uh, people say, you know, that um, um, apostles are no longer with us. Apostles are no longer around. And there's a whole teaching about what a, what a true apostle is because I've been in situations where every second person calls themselves an apostle. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is bad. But the reality is, you know, because, you know, um, and they go, oh, you know, it, it was just the original 12 apostles and that was it. And so my first question is, well, how does Paul fit into that? Because when Judas was no more, they chose one. And in Acts one twenty four, they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. There it is again. Show us which of these two that you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs so where does Paul fit in if there was only 12 not to mention the others who, who were called apostles in scripture as well anyway that's a side note in Acts 13 verse 22 Paul was speak, speaking and he was just recounting David and he said, after removing um, Saul, he raised up David as their king and he testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart and he will carry out my will. You see, right throughout Scripture, the Lord continues to look at hearts and it hasn't changed. He's looking at hearts today. And in fact, he looked at Saul and he saw Saul's heart and he saw that Saul's heart was not holy for him. And, and so in the midst of that, that is why Saul got removed and David came forth. The Lord is always looking at hearts, amen? And that might scare you. If there's someone here today that's going, oh, oh God sees everything that's in my heart. That's true. But then dwell on this fact. He loves you. You see, we often look at it from a man's perspective. I'm going to pick on Bruce. Sorry, Bruce. But if I see an issue with Bruce, it's not that I see an issue with Bruce, but I'm just using it as an example. If I see an issue with Bruce and it gets a bit like, what normally happens? We kind of separate a little bit, don't we? Is that not true? We can remove ourselves. But God, who sees our hearts, actually goes the other way. And he comes this way towards us. That is the love of God. It's so different to the love of man, amen? Because we think, oh, oh, there's an issue, I'll have to run and hide. 
And God says, no, no, I just want you to come. He loves you so much. But as I was praying this week, I have to stress this, that God is looking at hearts. And now is the time to deal with anything that needs to be dealt with in your heart because I had a vision that God will pass over people. He will even pass over churches. He will pass over ministries. He will actually pass over things because he is so intent on preparing a bride for his son to return. And he will not allow mixture to be anymore in our hearts and our lives. It is, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve him or we will not. Ananias and Sapphira that I mentioned last week, and I really believe we're going to see somehow, and I don't know what it's going to look like, and I don't want to try to go there, but I really believe we're going to see some sort of Ananias and Sapphira incident of some, of, of some description. Because whilst, whilst we have to understand that God is calling us to intimacy, He's calling us to relationship, He's calling us into first love, that He is still God. And in the end, if, he, if His glory fell in this room today, what would we do? What would our response be? I think it would, that we would fall prostrate on the floor in His presence and His glory. Is there an amen? Oh, get ready for that one. Like the cloud in the temple, the glory cloud in the temple that no one could minister There'll be no worship team that day. There'll be no Tim speaking that day. There'll be no prophecy that day because we'll all just be on our faces in the presence of the Lord and our lives will be changed in a moment. Do we have faith for that? If you don't, get with God and let Him bring it to you because you're not supposed to drum it up. You're actually meant to receive it from God. And that's what we do. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith. Just sit with God long enough and he'll give you the faith. That's the way it works. Because it's from him. We're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace. You see, but Ananias, to simplify it, Ananias held on to something. They hid something and that something became the issue. Big time. Don't hide anything. Don't hold on to, on to anything. Give it all to Jesus. Is that right? You're quiet on me. Katie Barker bought a prophecy two or three years ago about the raw and the real. And that is exactly where God is taking his church. To the raw and the real. That we can be in, integrous and authentic. Integrity. Who are you when you're by yourself? Who are you when you're not around the fellowship? Who are you? Integrity. Authenticity. Being real. So real. That when you need someone to pray for you, you go, I just need someone to pray for me. You don't put on the, the mask and go, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. How are you doing? You be real. You've got people around you that will stand with you. Just be real. There's a purifying fire that is coming. It's already started upon the church. There is a purifying fire. 
you know what? What kind of fire do we want to have? We want revival fire, don't we, really? We want the fire of Pentecost to come down afresh and we just see like explosive things. That's what we want. But you know, God doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what we need because he's a good father. So before the other fire, he has to bring the purifying fire. Amen? And he said that in the book of Malachi in chapter 3. He said, see, I will send my messenger who will come before me and he will sit as a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. So before the coming of the Lord, there is always a refining that happens in hearts. Amen? There is always a, you know, um, as I always illustrate back to the Welsh revival, there is a bend us, Lord, bend us, bend us, which is a humbling thing in their language back over 100 years ago. Can I be so bold to say this? I'm going to say it anyway. The things that have been unaddressed in the past, not anymore. I can't explain it, talk to God about it. But I know as I've been sitting with God that, there's, that He is so fixed on what He is about to do which is part of preparing the bride for the return of his son, that things that were left unaddressed cannot be left unaddressed anymore because he is looking after, because he's looking for a bride that is dressed in fine white linen. You can't, you can't, you know, there's, you know, there's one of the things that I really hate. You know how in scripture it says that God hates seven things? Well, there's some things that Tim Lennon hates. One of the things that Tim Lennon hates, and I'll put it out there, because you encounter it, and I hate it, is when someone is really nice to your face, but then they, but then they are critical, judgmental, spread gossip and rumours and lies and falsehood about you behind your back. That is one thing that Tim Lennon hates. I would rather you come to me and go, Tim, we need to talk about something because I've got a problem, or whoever it may be, than actually do the opposite, because that is not the spirit, that is the flesh. And in fact, that is actually the enemy. That is a little fox that tries to spoil the love feast because of, the, because of what's happening. I use that as an example because those things may be left unaddressed in the past before God, but not anymore. There will be a conviction of the Holy Spirit that will start to come upon people. And if the people are not listening to the conviction of the Spirit, then you're going to get a visit from a prophet. And they're going to have a word. And they're going to say that God has shown me this. We don't need to be scared of this because God is wanting to, to remove stuff from our lives because he wants us to be wholly a banner for him. Is there an amen to that? He wants us to be filled. It doesn't say just be filled in part by the Spirit. It says be filled, be filled, be filled. Keep being filled by the Spirit. Overflow with the Spirit. Overflow with the love of God. Overflow with the joy. Overflow with the hope. But how can we overflow with those things when we've got mixture? Because when you're squeezed, when you go through something in life, when you are squeezed, whatever is on the inside comes out. Is that not true? So when you squeeze an orange, what are you going to get? Pear, pear juice? No, you get orange juice. That's the same in life. When we find ourselves getting squeezed by life and circumstances, whatever's on the inside comes out. And, you, and it's that aha moment where you go, man, I need more of you, Jesus. Because I'm not as patient as I thought I was. I don't have as much faith as I thought I did. I need you, Jesus. 
Because if you think about Jesus, isn't Jesus the example? Isn't it always good to go back to Jesus? Amen? Jesus was persecuted. He was criticized. He was all kinds of untruths and lies and all stuff. And even going to the cross, being beaten and whipped for our transgressions, being put on that cross, it says he uttered not a word. There was injustice everywhere, and yet he uttered not a word. I reckon probably all of us would try and kick and scream a bit. Is that not a fair statement? But I didn't do that. That is a lie. You know, we try and defend ourselves, don't we? You know, the love and the peace and the joy and the hope that he carried even going to the cross, and Scripture says that, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because he knew what was on the other side. There was salvation, healing, deliverance. It's time for the, orig- it's time for the, for the remnant to emerge. Do we understand throughout history, whether it's in Scripture or whether it's throughout the history of what we've seen over the last 2,000 years, that God always prepares a remnant for himself. It's never the whole, it is a remnant. It is a people that have been set apart for him saying, God, we will do whatever you say. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that remnant. God is preparing a remnant. It's like the Gideon's army. You don't need 32,000. You just need the 300 that are say, here we are. We are yours, God, and we will do whatever you say. Is there an amen? So the key, as I look to close this morning, the key in all this is behold him. The key is to behold the Lord. Because the enemy will always want us to focus on anything other than Jesus himself. Why? Because Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18, one of Trev's favorite verses, if he was here, it says, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And as we behold him, we are changed from glory to glory. The answer is to behold the Lord. And that is why the enemy will always want you to behold your circumstance, to behold your, your, your trial, to behold what has happened. He always wants you to behold that because that's not going to change anything. But as you behold the Lord, something starts to happen in here. Something starts to shift in here. Something comes, starts to happen from the inside out as you behold him and you start to see a shift and a change, not first in the circumstances but in you. Do we understand that, that, that that's what God is trying to do, that God is trying to do the shift in here, not first in our circumstances because otherwise we just go la di da di da di da and keep doing the same thing that we've always done. He's looking to shift something in here so that we are ready when the circumstances shift to go forth in his name. That's why he was working here, because otherwise we're just going to carry what we've gone through and we're going to continue and we're going to be full of mixture. But he goes, not anymore because I'm preparing a bride for my son. It's, all I can say is it's about the timing of God. The timing of God is perfect and there's something happening. There's something happening, not just in this nation, but in the nations. God is doing something and we're going to see a manifestation of something that I can't even describe. 
But we have to hold the course. And we have to continue to, to behold Him. Because we will be changed. I'm not talking about a fleeting glance. I'm talking about a fixing gaze. You know the gaze. The gaze when you, on your wedding day, for those that have been married, and you lock eyes with the one that you're about to become one with. If you haven't had that moment with Jesus, ask him. Ask him. He gives good gifts to his children. If you haven't had that encounter with Jesus in your quiet place, just ask him. And stay there. You see, I'm just going to close with this and there's a couple of thoughts. Are we going okay? Cool. In Psalm 63, 8, one of my favourite verses, I'll read verse 6. It was, it's one of the Psalms of David. And was David on the mountain, experiencing the glory and the presence of God? No, he was in the wilderness. He was going through something. He was going through a trial. And he starts by saying, God, you are my God. I'll go back to verse 1. It's just, it's just a good psalm. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a dry and a desolate land that is without water. That's his circumstance, amen? That's where he was. So I gaze upon you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live, and at your name I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with the richest of food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. This is the verses. I think of you as I lie on my bed. I meditate on you during the watches of the night. Because you are my helper, the one whom I trust. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. My soul follows hard after you. There's two parts to that after, isn't there? My soul follows hard after you. So David was declaring that he was following hard after the Lord. He wasn't just flippantly going on a journey. He was following hard after the Lord. Wherever God went, David would go. Wherever he would see God, he would go there. Do we get that? Tom, come here for a minute. Come here and be my demonstrator. Come on, Tom, come on down. Woo! He followed hard after God. So you're God, okay? You just... You just walk anywhere you want, faster, slower. You can turn your corners, you can go anywhere. My soul follows hard after you, hard after you, hard after you, hard after you. Oh, nearly got me. 
Hard after you. Hard after you. Hard after you. Thanks, brother. Could have had a bit more energy. We could have run. We could have like, run, run around. But that's that. So David's heart was after God. That's, that's, that's why in the midst of Psalm 51, which you've heard me say before, that he wasn't concerned about his kingdom. He was concerned about losing the presence of God. He wasn't going, oh, no, I'm going to lose my kingdom and I'm going to lose my fortune. I'm going to lose my wives. I'm going to lose everything. No, he said, Lord, do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. Because his heart was after God. And the other side is that he was like his heart was. I have found a man after my own heart, and he will be faithful with what I've called him to do. So his heart was like God. And you know the time when David fell was because his gaze moved. His gaze moved from fixing his eyes upon the Lord to, oh, she's beautiful. Wow. The one time he took his eyes off the Lord, he started to fix his gaze upon something else and he fell. The answer is to behold the Lord. And you know what? I really believe in accountability and submission. In our modern day society and even in the church nowadays, so many people don't believe in it. But it's actually biblical to be accountable. It's actually biblical to submit to one another. What I mean by that in this message is that if you have an area where you struggle in, that where you are tempted in any way, find somebody that you can openly share with. I never forget back in Tasmania, years and years and years and years ago, 18 years ago, I had a pastor who was my senior, and he came to me one day and he said, Tim, I was praying and the Lord said that you are safe and I can share this with you. I am struggling in the area of looking upon the opposite sex. Will you keep me accountable? This is what I'm doing. This is what I've put in place. But I want you to keep me accountable. I'll never forget that moment. Whatever you're battling with, it doesn't have to be that side. It can be other stuff. Find somebody. Pray about it. Ask the Lord who's safe. Who's trustworthy? And say, will you pray with me in this area? Is that okay? My heart is, uh, music team, you can probably come down the front now. My heart is that we would taste and see that the Lord is so good that nothing else would satisfy. Is that okay? That we would taste and see that the Lord is so good 
that nothing else will satisfy. And therefore, you cannot hold on to anything else. You cannot keep going on the treadmill. You cannot keep repeating what you've been. You cannot keep being offended. You cannot keep walking in unforgiveness. You cannot keep walking in, in, in whatever the sin may be. You cannot to because you've tasted and see that the Lord is so good and you don't want anything else. Is that right? Can we pray? I want you to understand God's heart in this. I want you to keep the end game in, in your vision of what God is going to do in this nation. We will see a but God moment. In fact, we'll probably see many. And he is saying, will you allow me to go deep in you to see you walk in the fullness of my salvation? the fullness of what was purchased for you at Calvary, will you allow me to go deep in you to get anything else removed that you could just be glory carries of my presence? Oh. How about we stand and we pray? Father, we thank you today that you love us so much whilst we were still sinners that Christ died for us. Amen. But you love us so much that you, your heart is not to leave us battling with stuff, dealing with stuff, going, in the, going down in the quicksand. But your heart is to transform us. Your grace is transforming. Your love is transforming. Your hope and your joy and your peace are transforming. Lord, I pray today that in these times, God, if there is any unforgiveness, if there is any offense, if there's any um, whatever kind of sin it may be in your eyes, God, that, Lord, that it would be dealt with. God, that we would open up our hearts and say, God, I don't, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to live with this burden. I don't want to live with this bondage. I don't want to live with whatever I've been living with. I don't want to live. I don't want to live uh, beneath what you have for me. Because as we've already been reminded today, oh God, that our hearts would say, I want to live the abundant life. I want to live the overcoming life. I want, I want to live the life that shouts out that Jesus is Lord. I want to live a life like David, who even in, even in the wilderness, even in the battles, said, Lord, nothing else satisfies but you. That our lives would declare that you are good, that you are great, that you are mighty and you are holy. And God, we ask, God, that you would continue to work in our hearts, Lord. Lord, prepare us, God, for the move of your spirit. Prepare us for the outpouring of your glory. Prepare us for the face-to-face -face -face encounters. Lord, prepare us for the harvest, God. Lord, that we would be a household as part of the remnant in this region and beyond that says, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, we embrace your refining fire. We, Lord, we embrace your refining fire because, Lord, your word says that you love us so much that you prune us that we would bear even more fruit. And God, in the midst of it, we say we need you more. Bundaberg needs you more. This nation needs you more. 
So we bow our knee and say, Lord, bend us. Bend us. Bend us. As we sing this song, I just feel to say that today is a marker day for some of you. Because you know in your heart that you're still carrying things from the past. And God is saying, no more. You give that to me. Because as you've heard me say before, that if you're carrying offence from the past, you're going to keep getting offended because it's like glue. If you're carrying unforgiveness from the past, you're going to keep carrying, like you're going to find more people to hold forgiveness, unforgiveness against because it's like glue. Whatever the situation that has been in the past, it'll keep repeating itself until you say, God, here I am. So today is a marker day. Don't leave this place without doing your business before God because He wants you to walk out in greater freedom in greater hope, in greater peace, in greater joy, with an expectancy that what he said he will do. Is there an amen to that? So if you want to come down the front, I'm, I'm going to stay here a bit longer today. If you want me to pray for you, I'll pray for you. It's a bit dangerous. I've got to go to Childers later. But If you want to come down the front, just worship with your brothers and sisters.